Welcome to Tequila in Your Tea. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Vina. Uh, Vina Kanoa is what I usually go by, but if you do a deep dive, you'll find me as Vina Sanchez. Of course, today we have the wonderful Jeremy Moore. Okay, you may know him as Remy, you may know him as Jeremy, but uh, his face is not new to these cameras, okay? <laughs> he knows what he is doing here today. Um, just to give you some backstory, we're going to be diving deep into mm -hmm. a topic that I don't think I'm ready for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but fair warning, I did this to myself. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think you are the perfect person to discuss this with. You're someone <laughs> who, uh, if you don't know, um, Jeremy is an ordained pastor, has been for the last six years. Mm -hmm. I specifically know him from my home church, which is Freedom Church of Philadelphia. And of course, um, you've just held so many important spaces within the church. Mm. But uh, to be clear, Jeremy has not only been creative pastor and worship pastor, but site pastor, marketing, branding director, just to <laughs> name a few of the roles he has held with the church. And of course, he also is a solo artist in his own right. Mm. This man can sing the house down. <laughs> not only has he done his own solo work, he is coming out with a new project as Remy. He's also starting a new project called Mesa. <laughs> design <laughs> what i already find you as someone who dresses so well who oh, always you. looks good and so to know that there's a potential that i can have a little bit of that flow into my life amen <laughs> so um yeah just to know that i'm having this conversation with you today kind of puts me at ease yeah because you've gone through it so much yeah uh, not to say that's a good thing okay yeah so you know <laughs> Death and grief is the topic, and yeah, it's something that we both understand well, mm -hmm. but you have coached people through this so yeah. much. You have spoken about it. You have shared well, so hopefully he'll keep me together today. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Or not. You know, that could happen too. I I prepared for crying, okay? Yeah. No mascara. <laughs> um, all that being said, I don't want to discredit just how well educated you are as well oh. real, real talk okay so pastor but pastor has you know lived out here he has a bs in applied mathematics and a ba in african-american studies with a concentration in public policy he is someone who is more than qualified to not only counsel and share but also teach on so many levels mm. so i just just say thank you for joining us Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the only way to get into this topic is to just dive right in. <sighs> yeah. So I, I first question, what was your first experience with mm. loss? And yeah. who did you lose? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And you're right. <laughs> it is no really no big way, no easy way to die to dive in other than dive in. And that's kind of what grief and death is like it just hits you right it's sudden mm -hmm. um but my first experience with uh with death was um back in 1990 i'm so young wee lad um and i lost my father 
to um um I don't know, I don't know if they like if the way he died matters but for my story it does yeah you know but um um he died um by a self-inflicted gunshot wound um and so the story of that day is still a very is a core memory for me mm-hmm. of him dropping me and my brother off to school saying you know i love you um which was atypical and you know having that moment and i look back at that and then you know having a, my aunt come pick us up from aftercare and coming home to a bunch of people at our home and figuring and seeing the the shock and the horror and the tragedy that was already around without knowing what was happening and so that was my first experience with loss was the loss of my father Mm. um at the age of nine so yeah jeez i warned you okay i did um just to know how traumatic i can picture that being Mm -hmm. only because my experience with loss did not have choice involved if i can say it that way yeah i think when there is choice involved sometimes it can hurt in a different kind of way yeah um my first experience with loss to be honest was my grandmother she had stayed with us for a while but she was diagnosed with congestive heart failure and Mm. I do remember being young. I was like four. And when she had passed, I was sad, but it didn't hit me the same way. Yeah. Because there was a certain level of preparation. What I was upset about was not being able to say goodbye. Mm. My father actually didn't want me to see the body. She had passed while I was away at school. And so they just made sure that her body was gone before I came home and similar to a lot of people in the house and all this kind of stuff. And just like, what is going on? Right. And it's disorienting when you're young. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think my biggest loss was when I lost my mother and I always, and cause I've talked about it somewhat before. Um, I always associate that with, the biggest change that I had in my life and mm. my faith walk yeah, because I grew up in a faith oriented space. I'll say it that way. Um, spent a lot of time in church. My mother was someone who was always a believer and someone who talked about faith and healing, but she was dealing with cancer. It's like, oh, okay, well you have to deal with the practicals of cancer as yeah. well. Yeah. And for six years, it was a very tough struggle. She didn't have a popular cancer, which if you, you know yeah, what I mean, yes. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, she dealt with bladder cancer and it made it very, very tough to um, really kind of help her through it because I was also going through middle school and high school. Yeah. But now I'm also a primary caretaker. And then when she's a few surgeries in and she's also just like going through extreme bouts of pain, Mm. you're trying to assess whether there's more that you can do. Yeah. But at the same time, she's like, but I'll be fine. Mm. I'm going to be good. God's got this. God's got me. And uh, yeah, it was when I first went to school and of course went to a Christian college 
and went away for that first year. And she's like, I'll be fine. It's fine. And then I come back on break and she has a whole breakdown. Mm. And she is talking about how she wished I had never left because my dad doesn't take care of her the same way. Mm. Just long story short, screwed me up. Yeah. To return back after that year within a few months. And now she's in hospice. Mm. And now she's passed away. And it didn't add up. And it didn't add up for a lot of reasons. One, because she didn't share much yeah. about how this is happening. Mm. And she spoke so highly in faith terms that a lot of people were actually surprised that she had passed away mm. and that it was as bad as they thought it was. Or yeah. finding out that she was in hospice at yeah. all. Like, yeah. why, why are we just finding this out kind of thing? So it ended up helping me to shift I won't say necessarily in a positive way. I didn't react positively. <laughs> We're going to say Most that. Most don't. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it was it was something that caused me to question who I was, how I behaved, how I thought, how I felt about mm. everything. Because there was so much suffering that led up to her passing as well. Yeah. It made me kind of freak out <laughs> like just to be real simple it just i was just like what it mm. didn't it didn't equate so i can imagine how everyone's story with loss is different especially like a first loss that yeah. monumental kind of core memory mm -hmm. change at the same time i think each loss is slightly different yeah. Everyone reacts slightly different. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> let's, it. Let's, let's <laughs> dig in a little bit. Um, I kind of already hinted at the fact that I did not react well. But especially knowing that it happened to you, that first one, when you were a child, mm -hmm. do you feel like you coped well? Did you feel like you were just a hot mess? Like, what was your vibe? Um, I will say yes and yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, given the circumstances, I'm, it, you kind of talked about it. I think uh, culturally, mm -hmm. um, if I can speak so plainly, yeah. um, black people don't do well nope. with like just sharing emotions and talking mm -hmm. and being vulnerable. You know, and I grew up in the South. So it's like, you know, particularly even the things surrounding my dad and his depression and the addictions and what was going on it's just like wasn't part of it you know it was just like we're gonna be okay we're gonna but like no we're not okay we're known it's like i'm seeing everybody fall apart around me um me and my brother are having to um kind of take shifts at night with my mom like she would just break down crying and we'd just be in our room like well, who's gonna go now you know and it's like we gotta be now the men of the house and so all of this role shifting and um that was that was it was happening and also like the discounting even at a very young age mm. of what i understood mm. and what i saw um and so you know my family didn't tell us that my dad died of suicide um, a friend told me 
because it was in the newspaper, right? It was in the it was in the obituary that was out yeah. in the that was printed, and so the community knew, but we didn't know. And so um, I would say I coped well in that, like, when you deal with a loss, you do have to, you know, it's one of those. I'm sinking or I'm swimming here, right? I'm I'm gonna I'm sh I have to show up in a different way, and I think that's maybe one of the benefits of being also growing up in a village of black people. It's just like there's yeah. a sense of resiliency. We got a bounce back spirit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's just like I'm watching that happen around me, and so you just adapt to the culture around you. Um, so I would say, me and my brother, um, so I'm a twin. Just, you know, we didn't, uh, we, I think we showed up the way people were expecting us to show up. So externally, I think it helped our family move forward that, you know, that my uncles feel like, okay, these boys are doing well, you know, and because my dad, his name is Roy Thomas Moore. Um, if everybody knows me, my name is Jeremy Thomas Moore Thomas, my grandfather was Leroy Thomas Moore. My great-grandfather was Roy mm -hmm. Thomas Moore. We were Thomas Moore boys. Like, so it, the, the fragility of like, are these Thomas Moore boys gonna be okay? Was like around in that space. And so mm -hmm. we looked like we were okay. We were taking care of our mom. We were, we were you know, being strong on the outside. Um, but no, I wasn't okay. <laughs> I think I mean, when I look back, I'm like, yeah, it looked like I was okay, but I was just perpetuating bad coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, and so um, I dealt with a lot of torment. Um, one of the things as, as I tell this story and people like freak out, they're like, really, this really happened? But um, we spent days at the funeral home, like, for some reason, it felt like days, and it may have only been one day, but it felt like we were just there, like we were playing around my dad's body, you know, like just, <sighs> okay. just because where else were we gonna be except with our mom? But mm -hmm. she's taking care of all of the, you know, um, all of the things that come along with arrangements, you know. Yeah. And so, and I then I remember the night of my dad's funeral, and everybody's still at the house, and like when we go to bed. And I get, a, like, when I tell you I felt it, it was like, I have a bunk bed and I'm literally laying on the bed and like, and you know, you sleep with your legs together and there's a little bit of space. My, literally my dad's body is like rolling up beside me. Now, and I say that to say, mm -hmm. this is like a spiritual torment, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, but if I spread my legs out over the bed, then he can't roll up beside me. So I dealt with this for over a decade. Like I would never sleep in a queen size bed or in any, any space that wouldn't allow me to stretch my legs all across um, where I was sleeping. But what I realized is because I had no closure. Yeah. Um, and so we can talk about that later. But that when I say like, man, I th thought I was coping well. But like I'm dealing with torment, silent torment, like no one knows, but I'm not sharing my mom because she's going through so much. Yeah. And so I'm showing up for her as a well-adjusted kid mm -hmm. who's resilient, but really internally there's so much going on, you yeah. know? Like 
just listening to you talk about that level of torment it's especially Mm -hmm. when you are at a young age yeah that that affects how you think about the entire world oh yeah oh absolutely absolutely it's i mean the sense of awareness of Mm -hmm. of um especially when you don't have an outlet to talk about it yeah you know or can you even share it and um not even understanding like if i if i don't have someone to share that with who's been through like you know we talk about like yeah. i've coached people through these spaces if i don't have somebody who's like okay what you're dealing with is actually unprocessed emotions and feelings around this and and so like we're gonna let's get you into a space to deal with this yeah um it would have been you know i would have been able to actually deal with it but then that's the thing about grief i always tell people when i'm talking to them about it is grief is a normal response yeah and like and i want to highlight the word normal it's our body responds normally to it and um and there's a stigma around it but it's really grief's cousins you know we always got those ratchet cousins that we don't want to invite anywhere (laughs) you know what i'm saying but it's it's the depression the anger yeah the bitterness these stages of grief that the they they invite themselves to the party those are the things that we run from and so then we actually don't actually get to grief because we don't understand that's a those things we can deal with grief is something we should allow ourselves the process of going through and it's healthy Mm -hmm. to go through it and what does that look like um and even at as as a four-year-old or as a person in middle school and high school losing your mom or a nine-year-old losing their father like there's still a healthy way and a normal way to go through that and to take away the stigma of like just stuffing it down you know and to you're never going to be at a place where you're like ready to deal with it yeah you just got to deal with it and it's 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 hard to say it to people who haven't have ever seen somebody actually go through Correct. it well. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. It's interesting because just the way you had said about, you know, grief being a normal process and we're supposed to go through it and you need those safe spaces, it does lean back to me for the community that we just so happen to come from mm-hmm. where there is a stigma around the not only processing of grief openly, mm-hmm. but also seeking assistance. Yes. Um, if you have heard any episode of this podcast, we stand for therapy around yes. here. We do. Because Absolutely. it's a requirement as someone who is trying to deal with parts of that grief even now as a 31-year-old. It's... It's necessary. It's necessary to have those spaces, even those paid spaces, because like you said, when you're talking to someone who just doesn't mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's not even the fact that they can't help you. It's the fact that they have no frame of reference. Yeah. It can be traumatic to them mm-hmm. listening with untrained ears. Yes. And I know that when I was going through these deaths in my life, there was a lot of times where people were just like, I'm sorry, but I don't know what to say or do. Mm-hmm. So they would kind of walk away from the space, which is fine. Yeah. Like I understood it, 
But at the same time, it left me feeling very lonely in the space. And I know that I got stuck specifically in the anger phase Mm -hmm. for a good chunk of time. Um, And that's because when I was in the midst of grief, I believed my father was in the midst of grief as well. But his was reading differently. Mm. His was very much a let's pack it up and move on as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. And when I was dealing with depression and couldn't get out of bed for a while, it was right around that time where I guess he decided that he just needed to move on. So I remember it was very abrupt. He'd asked me to do dishes. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I'll just go do dishes. Just give me a few minutes. And when I went to go do the dishes, like as I was walking towards it, he was like, I think you should find somewhere else to live. Just very plain, very simple. And so it was twofold. It wasn't just the fact mm. that like, oh, wow. wow, my father's like, just just be out, mm. figure it out, be out. It was also the fact that the only person I thought, even though we weren't as close as I would have liked, yeah. He was still my dad. Said, yeah, yeah. I still lived with him. He was there with me growing up. Mm. The only person I thought I'd actually really connect to and relate with on her loss and the yeah. whole process leading up to her yeah. loss yeah. was just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And I'm I'm done with this. I'm done with you. Mm. Could you just move on? So once the anger phase kicked in, I was stuck there twofold. Mm. Not only am I angry with the universe that my mm-hmm. mother is gone when I was technically preached to for the last six years mm. that she wouldn't. Mm. And there was the legging of hands. There was the, we're going to believe by faith yeah. and not saying that all of those things are wrong. It was just that it was not met with the balance of but his will be done Mm. even if she doesn't stay here how do we make sure that there is support and Mm -hmm. closure instead not only did i lose the person i was closest to in the world but then i lost any sort of family structure or support and i'd hinted um at this before but it was also such a secretive suffering Mm. because it was three or four years in before she started having to tell people yeah. that she was dealing with cancer. Yeah. She was already post two surgeries. She had already had an episode with a second round of chemo that put her in the hospital. And they were just like, oh, no, she's going into failure and all this stuff. Like, it almost killed her. So now they've switched her to radiation, all this kind of stuff. And she's losing weight. Mm. So everyone says, oh, you look great. Mm. All this crap. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, to know that the entire time I'm going through this emotional roller coaster and not allowed to share. Yeah. Going to school and mm. not telling teachers, counselors, friends, yeah. anything. Yeah. Mm. It was being tra- you're training yourself to not be not to share all the things you're doing with Correct. You. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, but I'm holding it all together for this particular end result. Mm. And that particular end result didn't happen. And mm. then everyone you held it together for or with is now like poofed. So you're just kind of like, oh, so I'm left with all this on my own. Wow. And then you got to go somewhere and figure it out. And Oh, mm. well, you're an adult now. Okay. But mm. <laughs> yes, 
But I was not prepared for that. Yeah. I was prepared to be someone's caretaker, mm. to go to school and figure it out, pull it together. Why did you have trouble in school that first year? Oh, because I was an emotional wreck after my mother had a breakdown. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't mentally recover. I couldn't focus knowing that me choosing to go to school two hours away was causing her to suffer. Mm. And there was no one to speak to that understood. Mm. Even when I had the blessing of having family say like, hey, just come stay with us for a little while. It was still technically an unsafe space at the time yeah, because they were going through things. Mm. And then you have this situation where not only am I grieving, but I'm also being encouraged to just pull it together and yeah. be an adult and yeah. make all of your first steps, finding yeah. your first really well-paying jobs yeah. and like going for like your life, do your life. Okay, but I'm still stuck here in yeah. the life that I was supposed to have. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, Like everything's off, but no one wants to talk to me about like, why this is my life now. Yeah. It's just over and I'm just supposed to figure it out. Yeah. So I found, like you said, yes and yes. I was coping in the sense of trying to keep it together, yeah. but I was furious. Yes. So you were that's you actually just said it in a perfect way. You were coping and not grieving. Correct. And that's what's that's so interesting. I think we I don't want to just keep saying culturally, but I think in general, people can easily figure out how to cope because we're natural repressors. We can get up and move on. We can ignore, we cannot talk about things, but like grief actually is a process and it allows you to grow. So you are stuck in coping mode mm -hmm. and not ever being able to, and that's what everyone's been telling you to do. Just pull it together. You, you just pull it together. You yeah. cope during her suffering. Now you can cope again but never really dealing and with time the process. Will heal all wounds, yes, no. all that stuff. But coping does not heal wounds. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. There all is a process. Yeah. yeah. And I know pastor away, I would just say this, but I mean I think anybody, even if you don't go to church, it's like the benefit of um I love the scriptures and the Beatitudes, it's, you know, bless are those who mourn. Yeah. For they will be comforted. And it's not just like um comfort, like I'm gonna give you a hug. Yeah. In that sense, it's literally like a, a, the God doing a work in you. As we're saying, they will be something else, something that they haven't yeah. been before. This, if you're going to grow from a loss, you actually need to start the mourning process, and and that's this is something we're not. A lot of us aren't equipped to to do, yeah. and, that, and that's why, like you said, I'm such an advocate for therapy. But just being around people who have been through the process and know, like, no, you need to actually mourn. You need to let yourself feel these things and let somebody help you get through them. Yeah. And it's going to be a growth process for you. Um, yes, you will get stuck, and yes, it will start to leak out into every area of your life Correct. if you don't deal with it. And so, like, some of the byproduct of that will be people are who don't understand are gonna be maybe tired of you or like exasperated by your life, you know what I mean? <laughs> or where you are. Yeah. Be, but Or why are you randomly crying? Right? Like, like yeah. I'm just talking to you about school or something and be connected. And I just start bawling right. my eyes out. Like, it just yeah. seems so emotional no, or fragile. Right? And you're like, 
well, I don't know what to do with this. But when you have all <laughs> those emotions and those things in here, like yeah. your vessel is isn't but so large. Yeah. And it, you can repress as, as long as you think you can, but it's going to leak out. Yeah. Whatever's in the inside of you is going to leak out in some way. And so. Oh, I yeah. leaked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Because, and I could always tell post conversations mm-hmm. because I was living with other family. They were usually willing to have a conversation with yeah. me about like, hey, we just want to talk to you about your you know, the way you've been reacting lately or how you've behaved in a Mm. certain way or why are you staying out late now? Like that was never you. You were the golden child and, you know, we're just nervous for you. Mm. But there was never, and not to to fault them, it's an understanding that they didn't know what to do with it technically. They were grieving in their own way because they lost an aunt Mm. or a sister or whatever. And there was very much this understanding that They were concerned for me, but didn't know how to fix it. And so all of their ways of trying to fix it were as if grief wasn't involved. Yeah. Like if I was just like a teenager going through it. Mm -hmm. But I went through my teenager phase. I was good. Yeah. I I had no issues. I wasn't wild and reckless and doing anything. It's now. Yeah. It is. It is this. Yeah. And um, I think part of it is because. A lot of them have never made space for them to deal with their own grief in oh, times. Yeah, like absolutely. they're they're just doing what they mm-hmm. did. So they're passing it on. And of course, sitting up here trying to not get super emotional about things, but it was it was definitely a time where I felt my most lost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because my own emotions were not under my control. Yeah. As someone who is always very well adjusted. Mm. behaved polite i was always in a mental space of everyone you know just come together yeah Uh, my family used to joke and say i had on rose-colored glasses the whole kumbaya thing Mm. and now i find myself short-tempered short-fused um i find myself crying without anything of real yeah I'd, I'd say like actual target towards the subject coming up. Yeah. And I can't tell you why, but yeah. I can't stop them either. Yeah. Um, that's when I first started to have panic attacks mm. and there was this level of anxiety and I couldn't tell you where it was coming from. Yeah. As an adult now, it's like I can try and put it towards possibly the fact that I didn't know how to function in my new space. Mm. And then also the expectation that I should do better or do well and feeling like I'm failing at it constantly. But then there was also this, this underlying now, Oh wait, I have to deal with the fact that I don't think that the promises of God are true for Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And that healing is not Mm -hmm. for something for me or my family. And that, all of these things that I've believed over the years is not true for mm-hmm. me. So my foundation is now yeah. rotting. There you go. You <laughs> just, uh, you just it, I hope everybody who's listening Ugh. gets the click of all of those things coming together. Because you're, because a lot of people, even when you're talking about your family, looking at some of the fruit of your life, 
And that's what, because that's what they can easily, like, they can see. Yeah. But not the root. Yeah. And some things like grief, I mean, all that stuff starts internally. Right. Yeah. And you talk, and then you just said it when you're like, my foundation is crumbling. Oh, yeah. That foundation you can't see. Nope. Everybody can look at your shutters, can look at your window, can look Get at your paint, right? Be like, okay. be like, oh, Make you know, your your paint's chipping. And you're like, that's not the issue, really, oh. right? It's like we're talking about foundation issues that yeah. people can't see until the house starts falling down. Yeah. And then they start to address some of the things they can see. But you're still like, you're like, no, but the house is still crumbling. Yeah. You can't dress up a broken house. And so that is, so you're talking about some things that, yeah. that grief is, was doing in, in you internally. Doubt has now has a root in your, in your soul. And fear. And fear. Straight up fear. Right? And it's like, that is, that is not something that people can see. And you don't really also understand all of the ways that it can impact how it gets expressed. You don't even know. Like you said, you can just have outbursts of crying. Correct. You don't know. It's That's horrible. just an expression. You don't you don't even know. Is that coming from the doubt? Is that coming from the fear? Is that coming from It was guilt. You know, it's right. As an adult now, yeah. I know that it was tied to anytime someone would ask me about my future and what I wanted to do with my future mm. now. Like I didn't have whole plans before this. Um it was attached to the fact that when I first started to do things for myself, mm. I wanted to go to this school. I had gotten all of the scholarships to go. Like I had really put in all the effort. And that first half of the semester was all right. It was pretty good. Yeah. But when I had to come home during that break mm. and there was, I, I wish I could erase the memory. Mm. But to feel my mother's arms grab me and start crying mm. about how she wished I had not left. I've just ruined, mm. ruined a certain level of guilt. That the only reason she got to suffer even more was because, because I wasn't there. there. Yeah. And the reason why she ended up in hospice right after I got back was because just, I had left yeah. her for those nine months I was away. Mm. And to not have any sense of closure in regards to that, mm. there was there was nothing but like, no, it's my fault. It's your fault, yeah. Like it's 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 my fault that I'm here. It's my fault that my life is ruined, that her life is gone. Mm. And even though obviously it made no true logical sense, like I'm not a doctor, cancer is not something I have cured. Right, so right. like forget all that. There was an understanding that I could have made her life easier. Or if I had pushed further, I could have given her some of the things that she wanted out of life. Mm. She really wanted to travel. She had a degree in interior design. She mm. wanted to do all these wonderful things. But because she was a mother to me, she made lots of sacrifices. Mm. And as a daughter to her, with a very short period of time, did I do enough? Mm. And so, yeah, anytime someone would ask me about what I was doing with my life, tears. Mm. And no, no control, no connection. Yeah. But as I got older, I had to realize, I was like writing down why I cried today. Mm. Like, what did they ask me? Yeah. Oh, they asked me if I was going back to school or they asked me if I was going to do this one thing or if they, they asked me why I didn't know how to balance a checkbook or mm. do budgeting or like they asked me something that has to do with why am I yeah. here? Yeah. I don't want to be here. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of anxiety around um you were saying I'm not obviously it's just turned into a therapy session. I love it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, oh. the idea around um the root of anxiety around responsibility now. Yeah. Because heavy in our community. Heavy, yeah. And it's like you you have this all of a sudden this imposed sense of responsibility put on you that ended in not the way that you thought it was going to. And then so this you said this fear, guilt, doubt, this sense of failure over something you're responsible for, over something that like, is this really my responsibility? This just shouldn't even be. Now it's playing itself out in your life. In the simplest of things, like you said, balance in the checkbook, like it's, and you're like wondering where this anxiety is coming from, but it's like really, it's, it started, that's what I'm saying, grief, if it's unprocessed, it's like, it invites all its, it, all of its cousins start to come. And so, and I just actually just preached about this, actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> this past Sunday. Just this unprocessed feelings yeah. can, can ultimately become um, the worst enemy of yeah. our soul. Um, and, it, and it's because of that. Because once it starts to take roots, it spreads. Yeah. And you don't even know. Now you're dealing with all these other layers of things. When, when really, man, it would have been nice for you to be able to have shared back then what you were sensing, be able to lay out in front of somebody with some vulnerability, like, I feel like this is my fault. To be able to share that with somebody and somebody be able to walk you through the grief process to be yeah. able to talk through that. It's interesting you say it that way because I've I've told a few people just over the years is... I feel like God has put that person in my path for a reason mm -hmm. to say like, you're, you're not going to go as far as I did because I'm here. Mm. God's allowed me to be in your path to make sure that you have that space mm -hmm. that I felt like I didn't have. Yeah. So well, you can freak out or have more emotional trips or you can talk about the person that you've lost without everyone else saying like, oh, this is getting weird and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So that way you don't have to go as far as I did have yeah. your moments do yeah. do what you got to do but mm -hmm. you don't have to trip over the same thing yes. that I tripped over mm -hmm. all because I felt so alone yeah. all because I felt like I was never able to process and that no one understood and that's that's the beauty of it mm -hmm. it was for me deciding that I was going to try and do my best to stand in the gap not be perfect, not be someone who is a trained therapist. Like, mm -hmm. we're not going to do that. But I am going to make sure that I can be that safe space. And if I'm like, hey, you need that therapist, mm -hmm. let's, let's do that. You need to pay for this yeah. trauma mm -hmm. work because it's trauma work. Yeah. Um, then I can at least encourage that. You yeah. don't have to feel as alone as I did. Yeah. And that's that's where I can say like, it's actually helped me to heal somewhat, to be in this space mm. and not be as broken. Because I wasn't able to afford therapy for a while, <laughs> ma'am. Okay, we was out here just like wading through the waters. Yeah. And as I'm still working through it, still processing, still doing therapy, I'm mm -hmm. still able to be an open space for other people. 
even if it's just to help lead them to someone who is more trained than I am, who yeah. is better prepared for yeah. it. Um, I guess for me, that would kind of lean into my next questions, mm. which would be, what were some of your steps towards being as healed as you are now? I will not say healed from loss mm -hmm. fully, because I, I do think that's technically a lifelong process. Yeah. Because there's always yeah. points and moments, connections where it's going to come up. Yeah. And you have to address what it feels like for that moment. Yeah. But you're healed enough now to, one, be able to counsel people in it, mm -hmm. two, be able to talk about it publicly like this without having like <laughs> some freaking I'll cry later. So moment <laughs> outburst kind of vibes. Yeah. But um, there's obviously either steps you took. Um, relationships that you've had, coaching, mentorship, whatever, mm -hmm. pieces that brought you here. I always try to talk about it because it's completely different for everyone, but somebody needs to know where they should start. Yeah. Somebody's stuck in the same space that I was. Mm -hmm. Where should they start? Um, Man, I mean, it's, it hasn't been like a, the hasn't been like a very linear Amen. process. Mm -mm. Um. And so I can talk about a couple of different steps. Um, I, um, my family, and it wasn't because I wanted to, it was, we kind of were forced to go through family counseling, mm -hmm. um, and which was very helpful because I don't think my mom would have done it otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, but just because of some other instances of trauma, um, and I won't, because I don't want to share all the details of that here, but um, we were basically, we had to go through family therapy um, and for a while. And it was really helpful because I think this was the first time I cried in front of my mom mm -hmm. and then somebody asking me how I feel, like really genuinely wanting to know. Um, so it was very helpful. Um, it wasn't until I got into college that um i was dealing with a lot of anger a lot of um rebellion um even though i i i had just became a christian right before i went to college and it was in the group of um it was our sister church from freedom church actually i was going there at unc and um the guy that was mentoring me was very much like uni inner healing in your soul mm -hmm. <laughs> and i was like whatever i mean it's like <laughs> yeah it's like a concept it's like right whatever. and in his and the way he framed it is how i frame it now it's just like there is there you you need to be whole whatever whatever god has for you in the future whatever you feel like your future is you need to show up becoming a whole person, Correct. not a fractured person, because it's just going to impact really how you show up in your spaces. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to like de-churchify it, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like I want to make sure it's as broad as possible for people. Um, in my space, it was definitely, he's talking about, you know, wherever you're going to go from here, you're going to deal with that. Whatever that is, it's it's ugly. You it's might, you don't see it, but it's ugly. Mm -hmm. And that process for me, they call it inner healing. Um, and it was a process of like going back to traumatic moments. Mm -hmm. And and for me, it was 
you know, but now Jesus is with you. What is he saying? What are you hearing? How would you pray if you're there now with your with your younger self? Yeah. What would you say? No, knowing what you know now, knowing what you know about the scriptures, knowing what you know about God, what well, what would you say to yourself? And um, you know, in my instance, it was Jesus is walking alongside you now. Yeah. You're in, and he's there with you at this casket. What is he saying? And it was the first moment for me that I realized that I, the reason why my my dad, because up to this point, I'm still like, you know, so thankful that in school, in dorms, they give you bunk beds still, yes. because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm nice. like, this Tiny is great. Times. This is all the space I need. Yes. Um, and it was, and it was still a very much so like a quiet torment. Mm. And, um, but it was somebody who saw and was like, what's going something's going on in your soul what's going on it's the first time i was like a safe space so that's the thing yeah. really people need safe spaces yeah. to share what's going on not just not just to share mm -hmm. but so somebody who has insight can be able to say this is what i believe this is now here is the next step for you um and so that was helpful for me it was just like okay this is a spiritual torment. There has been an open door from this tragedy. And it is now just a stronghold in your life. Mm -hmm. And you need to deal with that. Yeah. Um, and God wants rest for you, Jeremy. Like, you should be able to sleep at night. You haven't had any closure from your father's passing. Yeah. And it was all these things. And it was just like, and, and, but part of that also was why? So I'm like, what? And I know maybe it's, hopefully it's not too overly spiritual, too deep for the people who are listening, but um, I'm just talking with you, my friend. So I just want you to understand what's Talk going on. Me, but please. there, you know, was, I was holding on to so much anger, yeah. so much um, bitterness. I didn't want to be anything like my dad. I um, hated him for not, for like the way he said goodbye to us. Mm -hmm blame my was it us were we too much for him all those things and so but with that all these questions being unanswered all these spaces and it's the thing like they were never going to be answered correct and but it was a way for my body my whole body to hold on to him correct and so i had just been coping and not actually grieving and going through the process of mourning his loss so that I could grow and God could take that experience and form me into the person that he needed me to be. And so I'm sitting there literally with my eyes closed on a couch, very similar to this one, on the couch with my eyes closed. It's like, Jesus is with you. What is he saying? And it was like, you need to forgive him. Mm -hmm. You are a redeemed version of him you're you are like him in the best possible ways and you and it was all these things it was like the morning morning him is gonna actually keep me connected to him yeah what i'm doing now is not keeping me actually connected to him in the ways that are going to help me grow and they're going to help me like 
look back and see the humanity of him and 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 really it was just it was a lot of things that were going on in that moment and so i just remember it so vividly of walking up to the casket jesus holding my hand mm. and being like i'm with you you are not unfathered you don't have to be you um and but you need to be fathered to grow to become the person that you you that I want you to be that I haven't left you I haven't abandoned you I I know the plans I have for you all these things these things now I know them but now I'm hearing Jesus actually say that in the place that I actually needed to hear it right mm-hmm. um there aren't just like you know scriptures but there's like okay you know Jesus is saying to me in my moment of pain in the place that has a a stronghold over my whole life for the last decade and um and it was the mo- it was literally breakthrough like from that day I, he's, he never tormented me in my sleep ever again mm. because I was able to like release, but that was just the start. Yeah. Right. That was the start. And then it was like, okay, now we need to take steps into really grieving, really mourning the loss. What do you think you've lost? What, what do you feel like you'll never get back? You know, it's just like, so dealing with that, like, I feel like I lost, I mean, I lost, my father is unfair. Why, I don't understand, I don't even know what it means to be a man. I don't even, I'm supposed to be Thomas More, boy, and I felt like it was stripped from me and, and like, I'm not even close to my, like, but I had to get all those out for somebody to then help me walk through the process of like, okay, but. Can you look back? What did your dad teach you while he was here? What does fathering look like to you now? Like, what do you want? You know, I want somebody to, um, that I can trust with my heart to help me understand how to be accountable and to, that, to learn from. And, and it's like, well, God can do that for you now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have, like, and so it was helping me, like, okay, I can take steps, but I, you can't take steps that you don't even know what process you're walking into, right? And so somebody had to look at me and be asking me these very specific questions and then help me be like, okay, you need to more, you cannot get that here. Face the reality of that. Deal with that. If you need to cry here for a moment, let's cry. Let's deal with that. Your dad is gone. He was broken. There's nothing to do with you lament about what he was going through it's not about you and it helped me because it's like oh my goodness like it's it's not about me when i actually started thinking about it like praying like god i praying for his soul like how broken he was how much he was going through so saddened by his depression like it did something in me you know like it stirred in a way that was like i'm not mad at him anymore i'm sad yeah. I was like sad that he went through that. I didn't know. I'm like, Lord, I never want to be in a place to be in a relationship with people that they can't feel like they can't share with me what's going on in their life. Yeah. Um, it so it was transforming me because my prayers had changed from mm-hmm. I don't want to be anything like him to God, I don't want anyone else to have to experience feeling alone. What must they have been like to be a black man growing up in the South 
everybody's telling him he's going to be nothing but a sharecropper mm-hmm. and but he's a dream he's a chef he's he builds homes he is a creative he lights up the room and it feel like everywhere you go somebody's dimming your light i can only imagine what that would be like for me to deal with that and it helped me to then mm-hmm. like walking through that was this super helpful but you need someone to be able to walk you through that yeah. and then allow you to mourn through all the questions and all the hard things and like really go through the process. Mourning should always look like growth mm. at the end of the day. If you are not, if you find yourself in a process where you are not growing, you're not grieving. You're not grieving well. Um, it's like school. It's like you go through, you know how you go through school and you ask questions every, you take, you take tests, you go through those things. And next thing you know, you're like, wait, I'm a whole graduate. I didn't graduate. Like, you, you know, you like, you just go to school and you think it's just like, this, you know, 12 years of the same thing over and over again. And you keep, but no, there's a matriculation. There's a, you keep going through this process and you end up having graduated. Also, you know how to study, you know how to ask questions. You know, you you. it's not just like school's like, oh, I'm never gonna use this, this algebra again. Yeah. It's not like that. It's like, no, but my mind now knows how to deduce things. My mind knows how to process questions and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? And so, I know exactly what you're saying. I also know that I haven't, at least I feel as though I haven't fully graduated, period. Yeah. Full facts. <laughs> um, I know that I have grown. We've made some levels. Yes, exactly. Okay? Yes. But yeah. graduation, no. Mm. And I do think it's because I don't know if I have truly taken the time to go through every bit and piece. Mm-hmm. And I... I also would then have to address the other losses mm-hmm. because you, I know you know this. After you deal with a loss and then another loss happens, mm-hmm. it feels like almost you have to start the process again, but it's compounding actually mm-hmm. because whatever you haven't addressed with the other loss, this is going to come mm-hmm. up with this loss too. Um, I know that that's something that I thank God for therapy, mm-hmm. therapist. You know, I love you. Um, <laughs> Because it's something that's going to come up. We're yeah. going to have to walk through it. Because I think it affects some of my decisions today. Mm. We're not a, an emotional breakdown mess anymore. But I'm still very mm-hmm. aware yeah. of death and steps that you need to take mm-hmm. as far as your life, uh, decisions you're making. Are you being a benefit to yourself as well as the people around you Mm. or are you setting yourself up to leave someone lonely Mm. and destitute and broken and needing to fix themselves and i i'm very aware that i don't want to do that to anyone else Mm. period and i appreciate one just how you're sharing your story especially in just the fact of the fathering part Mm. you you actually said that one of your proudest roles is to be a husband and a father mm-hmm. and to know that you had to go through that healing process mm-hmm. to feel like you could be a father. Mm-hmm. And 
father well. Mm-hmm. And um, I can just, I can really appreciate what you went through to get here. Mm-hmm. And knowing that everyone's journey is going to require that kind of work. Yeah. But it's doable. It is doable. Right. And I mean, I and there's another other layers of loss there, you know. I think about Father's Day now, it's, I'm still think through, man, I wish my dad could see yeah. me, you know, when he died at 39. So when I turned 39, it was like another layer of I'm yeah. the same age as him. And he never lived past this. And like, yeah. what is, you know, and again, more layers. And I, it's when you talk about graduation, I, I, I wouldn't even maybe even frame it that way. But like, you know, it's like algebra one, algebra two. It's like you get to the next level and the question the answer when you start to start to try to get to the answers and get to the solution it starts the same like the fundamentals never change and so even though it feels like a a harder process or a new layer of it i wouldn't you're not starting over it's not necessarily compounding it's it's just now you're not starting from a different place it's just like okay no but i know how to start and I know how to break this, how to factor this down. Okay, and now I can deal with this and deal with this layer. Um, and so when another one comes, it's just like another. It's an for me at least. It's another. It's another layer. And so my morning doesn't look the same as it did yeah. when I was nineteen. Doesn't mean I'm I'm not mourning. I'm actually am mourning. I'm not coping anymore. I'm actually like no. I'm in the process factored it down so now when this piece comes in it starts here now it doesn't start up here it starts at this level and i know how to like okay i know how to break this down i know how to actually deal with this new layer of pain and then i know how to ask questions i'm like man bring it i know how to bring it to somebody and say man i'm i i don't i have a lot of fear i didn't realize i was gonna walk into fear of of an anxiety at 39 because I didn't see my dad live it out past then. Mm. And so I've stopped dreaming. And so I'm, then I deal with that. But if I didn't have a place to share that, yeah. that that would have just been me coping through the rest of my life. And you, what you would have seen as a friend is, man, Jeremy's not really doing anything. That would have just been the fruit, but the root of that would have been bitterness and fear and doubt from unprocessed emotions in my soul. And so, um, so when I say graduate, I just mean like, man, I've now got the tools. I've gotten all the tools and I can go out into the world and be productive in this. That's what I I mean by that. I love that. Really, I I do because, to me, you're a walking example of how it should look. Mm. And not to put, like, burden and pressure on you. No. Just, just the simple fact that you are someone who is not trying to be perfect or look like you have it all together. You're just saying that I now have these tools and I'm willing to share these tools. Mm-hmm. So I know that we are running out of time and this is a topic that, we could literally discuss seriously for days yeah um 
But I just once again say thank you for what you have shared. Yeah. The tools that you shared. Um, I'm definitely going to be taking this to my therapist because <laughs> um, I'm realizing we might have we need a few more steps to go through. <laughs> but um, for anyone else who is dealing with this or not dealing with this and need to start, one I'm going to add into the description some links, some resources for you any resources that Jeremy shares mm -hmm. specifically okay. um, for even tips on how to start this process for yourself, where to recognize where you're at. I'll include that there. But um, I just encourage you. I encourage you to sit with yourself and take a deep breath, take a deep look to see, am I okay or am I just coping? Mm -hmm. If you feel tight, if you feel stuck, if you feel tormented, mm -hmm. it's a sign. You need to really work on this because you're not operating mm -hmm. in your fullness. Um, with that being said, thanks again. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say one more thing. Please give it. Healthy grieving leads to growth. I just feel like if that, if people can walk away understanding like, man, if, if I am seeing myself grow, then if I'm, or I'm, like you said, if I'm seeing yourself yeah. stuck, that means, man, the grieving process hasn't been healthy or you maybe haven't started yet. Yeah. So. And I also realized that to mean not just financial growth, <laughs> not the superficial growth. Mm -hmm. You didn't just graduate. You just didn't do all the things. Yeah. How are you being as a human, yes. like in your heart, mind, yes. and soul? How are you operating? Mm -hmm. And if you feel as though you're still operating very much, I have to hold it all together at all times, you're not growing. Yeah. And that means there's actually more for you. Yes. And that means that you might be causing harm that you're not aware yes. of. Yes. That's it. Just because it's going to leak. At some point, mm -hmm. you cannot hold it together. The floodgates will open. Yep. And um, yeah. That's good. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks again. It's going to have to happen again. Me. Yes. <laughs> because uh, there's so time much off more. The, off, off the tape, off the recording, we got to talk some more. <sighs> it's true. But um, once again, this is tequila in your tea. I, I will say this because I, I really do mean this seriously cheers to your journey i'm cheersing to mine because i need to remember that my journey even when it's good bad hard in between is still worth taking so cheers to your journey as well as mine i will be sipping my tea one sip at a time